get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. We are happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by Scott Wheeler. He is the prospects writer over at The Athletic. He was able to watch all of the Blues prospects as they took the ice for the World Juniors over in Sweden. Scott, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. How you doing, my friend? I'm uh, doing well. I'm just sort of bouncing back from the jet lag of the last <laughs> few days it uh knocked me on my ass if i'm being honest once i got back from sweden i think i uh, i don't i don't think it was too much work maybe a little bit too much fun in sweden but uh either way i I was not feeling all that hot the first few days back man i gotta imagine though scott because i know jr and i were talking and you got a, a couple of young ones at home that had to be a great feeling walking through the door though seeing that family after what was it two and a half weeks of you being gone in sweden yeah, it was an awesome feeling. Uh, and then once you get past the awesome feeling, you realize that you need to sleep and that uh, uh, toddlers and, and newborns don't exactly help you in that regard. Truth. So yeah. it's, uh... Alex and I are both living yeah. that life, so we understand where you're coming from. I got to a two-and-a-one-year-old, Scott. Scott, so I'm not jet-lagged from Sweden for two-and-a-half weeks. I'm just tired all the time. And I've got a six-month-old that's going through sleep regression, so uh, we're, we're all living our best life right now. All right, Scott, let's talk a little bit about some of the Young Blues prospects that were over in Sweden for the World Juniors. The headliner, of course, is Jimmy Snuggerud. We're going to be joined by him uh, coming up at 1 o'clock to talk about his experience over there. Uh, did did he live up to the hype, in your opinion? Yeah, certainly. I, it was a bit of a weird tournament for Jimmy. He was one of the best players in the tournament a year ago as an 18-year-old, which is obviously pretty rare and speaks to the kind of season that he had a year ago, not just at the World Juniors, but uh, as a freshman in college, has followed it up with a good, though not sort of breakout season. It's hard to have another breakout season after how good he was last year. And then at the World Juniors, he actually got a sort of 24-hour stomach bug that was going through Team USA. About half of that team got it at one point or another in the process and uh, sort of puking and that kind of a thing. So that knocked him out for a game. Then he came back and his job on the first line, uh, the, the player who'd filled it all the more, uh, they actually decided for a, the first couple of games when Jimmy was back to, to sort of keep him in that role just because he'd played well uh, in Jimmy's absence. Uh, but when push came to shove, Jimmy scored a hat-trick in the tournament, was great in the final two games. When it was crunch time in the semifinal and in the in the gold medal game, he was elevated back up to that first line. Uh, and he just played his game. He's hard on pucks. He can really shoot it. He's got an NHL shot, a very well-rounded offensive player. There's a, there's a lot to like about Jimmy. He's had a really, really strong progression over the last two seasons. And based off of where they drafted him in the second half of the first round, 
looks like a really solid pick. Does he still profile as that top line scoring winger in the NHL, Scott? And does it feel like he's ready to take that leap from what you saw in the World Juniors? I'm not sure whether he's going to be a true sort of first line star, the kind of guy who eventually makes nine, ten million dollars on a roster kind of player. But I do think he's going to be an impact top six winger, even if that's sort of second line. He's going to be on an NHL power play, whether it's the first power play or the second power play. That's really just what he and the Blues have to figure out at this point. It's okay. Is he a second line power play two winger or is he a true first line power play one winger? Is he a 20 goal guy or is he a 30 goal guy? That's that's sort of the, the, the process that all of these young players that are top prospects have to go through once they turn pro. As far as turning pro, I do think that he's right there. And I expect that at the end of this season, he's going to turn pro. And that before this season is even done, you're going to see him in a St. Louis Blues uniform playing in NHL games. And they're going to put him to the test and, and see what they've got before uh, before a proper season next year with a full training camp and all of that. So I expect him to get the typical sort of top college player uh, treatment in terms of sort of jumping right into things once his season at Minnesota is done in the NHL. Scott, all of these guys are different and the timelines are different around them. We saw with Jake Neighbors, he was very ready for the NHL game basically immediately. Now, he's not a guy that projects to be a 30-goal scorer, but he's got that full 200-foot game, and it's worked out so far for the Blues. When it comes to Snuggaroo, how do you feel like his game will translate early on to the NHL level? Does he have the 200-foot game that's ready for that? Similarly, yeah, I do think uh, him and Neighbor, him and Jake are very different players, but uh, at least in terms of the the readiness piece of it, he's not one of those sort of five foot ten, five foot eleven, skinnier kids. We're talking about a six foot one winger who's filled out his frame, and you run into him around the rink, and he looks like a professional already in terms of the physical maturity. And he stays over pucks, and he's hard on pucks, and uh, he can play the puck possession game on the cycle. He's not just a sort of one and done. Uh, offensive talent so uh, in that way I, I think he'll handle it just fine and, and he won't look out of place like some young kids do when they first make the jump I, I know you do a lot of comps on the athletic when you're evaluating these guys but what's the comp at least currently that comes to mind when you think of Snuggerud Scott Ooh, good question I, I think you'll see him um uh, sort of like a Brock Nelson type maybe uh, somewhere between sort of Brock Nelson um TJ Oshie comes to mind. Brock Besser maybe at the very top of his ceiling. Brett Besser's obviously a six foot, six foot one scoring winger who has scored 30 goals in the league kind of thing and has become a, a really good quality top six winger for the Canucks. Um, Nelson's a very well rounded sort of top six winger who's had a really nice career for himself with the Islanders. Those, that's the kind of uh, caliber of player I think you're hoping for out of, uh, out of Snuggie. The next player that I wanted to ask you about was their first round pick from this year. And I could go to a number of different directions with this. They had three of them, but it's <laughs> Dalibor Dvorsky, who was the top pick that they had this season. Uh, he had a weird start to the season this year, as you certainly know, Scott ended up going over and played with the pro team, barely got playing time there, has come back over to North America. What did you see from him in this tournament? Yeah, a bit of an up-and-down tournament for him. He had some really high highs. I thought he was absolutely tremendous 
in their in Slovakia's last two games of the tournament, that being their quarterfinal, which they nearly won, in which he made two huge plays on goals in, and in their final uh, sort of pre-tournament game, it was a disappointing, or not pre-tournament, final preliminary round game, it was a disappointing score in the end against Team USA. Team USA really ran up the score in the third period, but through two periods, I've actually played like a pretty tight game, and I thought Dvorsky was one of their better players. Early on in the tournament was actually quite quiet, uh, not because he wasn't getting looks, but just they weren't sort of falling for him. And then sort of got, got found his rhythm later in the tournament. Uh, the, the tricky thing with Dvorsky is that when he was 14, 15 years old, we were already watching him. We were already talking about him. He actually played in the Helenka Gretzky Cup as an underager and outproduced Yuri Slavkovsky and Philip Mayshar, who were first-round picks of Montreal and a year older than him in the Helenka Gretzky Cup. He put up gaudy numbers internationally for Slovakia at an early age, playing well above his age group. He played pro hockey at an early age. And then, lo and behold, if you actually look at that Slovak roster, he was a, he was the third youngest player on that team, despite this being his fourth World Juniors. He will have the very rare distinction next year of playing in a fifth World Juniors, which only a handful of players in the history of the tournament have ever done. Uh, part of that's his age and how young he is. Part of that is the canceled tournament in Edmonton, so he got to play two World Juniors in, a, in the same calendar year because they played the summer tournament in Edmonton. Uh, but lo and behold, he's he's sort of accomplished a lot. Obviously, had a tough tough go of it in the SHL. Uh, wasn't getting played even the, last year in Hockey Allsvenskan, the tier below the SHL in Sweden. Uh, took him some time to sort of figure it out and figure out the pro game. His skating still needs a little bit of work, and that's been limiting when he's played at pro pace. But at the junior level and when he's with his age group, and we've seen it with the Sudbury Wolves in the OHL since he came over to North America, he's a extremely, extremely dynamic offensive player. He can rip the one-timer on the power play. He's a great passer and puck protector, uh, sort of that classic sort of, not to compare him to, to guys like Sidney Crosby but that, or, or Jeremy Jager, but that classic ability to turn his back on defenders uh, and, and protect pucks and make it so hard for them to reach in on. Uh, and then also a very detail-oriented center. He's great in the face-off circle. Coaches trust him. So there's some skill and some reliability there. I think ultimately that will carry him to the NHL. I've spoken with several people uh, over the years about Dalibor, and the one name and Blues fans will find it a familiar one that actually always comes up is sort of Ryan O'Reilly, who was also uh, not just a below-average skater, but I would argue a pretty poor skater throughout his, his NHL career and was still an excellent, excellent sort of top six player in the NHL and has become a really good sort of uh, third-line player over the last couple of years. So um, the, that's kind of the comp uh, for Dvorsky, a very detail-oriented player, a lot like O'Reilly. I think he might have a little bit more power play oomph to his game than O'Reilly did, uh, but that's sort of what you're hoping for in terms of uh, what his projection is. And then, Scott, the, the two guys that, that really kind of came out of nowhere in this World Juniors tournament were the two players that the Blues drafted late in that first round in the 23 mm-hmm. draft. It was Stenberg and Lindstein. Now, now Stenberg, I think there was some hype going into it, but Lindstein, a guy that joined the team because of an injury and was one of Sweden's best players at the end of it. Yeah, Theo Lindstein was on my all-star ballot. Uh, he was one of the two defensemen, along with Lane Hudson of Team USA, who was on my ballot, and I think deservedly so. He was ultimately voted one of the, the tournament all-stars, right? So just a phenomenal tournament for for Lindstein. They actually had two injuries, and so he wasn't even the backup plan. He was the backup to the backup plan. Wow. They had two defensemen who went down with injuries, 
uh, before he got a look. He then jumped in. He almost immediately replaced Anton Johansson, who was a 19-year-old Detroit Red Wings prospect. Johansson became the seventh defenseman almost right away because of the way that Winstein played and his limited ice time uh, that they gave him through the pre-tournament. So he started in the top six, started on a uh, sort of middle pairing even in the top six, was playing 18 minutes, 17, 18 minutes early in the tournament and then 20-plus minutes at the end of the tournament. He led that Swedish blue line in points. Uh, it was it was impressive, especially for an 18-year-old and especially for the player type that Theo Lindstein is. He's not and has never been this sort of dynamic, offensive defenseman. He's always just been known as sort of a really solid, sound, two-way type, projects as sort of a third-pairing guy, a reliable third-pairing guy in the NHL. That's kind of always been the way that people have talked about Theo. Uh, so to see him make some plays and show some offense in the World Juniors, that was the most positive outcome for me. Uh, Stenberg's a player that, as you mentioned, you kind of expected a little bit more. Still impressive to stand out as an 18-year-old in a 19-year-old's tournament. Both of those players are eligible to be returnees at next year's World Juniors in Ottawa. Um, Stenberg has been a top player in his age group all along, as has Winstein, but Stenberg really uh, has, has sort of been the catalyst of that 05 age group. And that line that he played on with David Edstrom and Felix Unger-Sorum was a line not just at the World Juniors, but also for Sweden at, at the Under-18 Worlds last spring in Switzerland. Uh, so the, the Stenberg playing well, I don't think, was, was much of a surprise. But certainly Theo stepping in and becoming a really important piece of an excellent Swedish blue line, uh, that, that, was a, that was a big deal for him. We'll get you out of here on this. My final question, at least, Scott. We're talking to Scott Wheeler, who's the prospects writer uh, for The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter, at Scott C. Wheeler, at Scott C. Wheeler over on Twitter. When you think about the Blues prospects overall, you kind of look at the big picture of this, the big picture landscape, and they're going through this retool. How do they stack up against some of the other prospect pools in the NHL right now? Well, it's a very timely question because not to plug the athletic here, but I do all 32 prospect pool rankings just once a year and they are set to start rolling out in about two and a half weeks time. So I've got the list right in front of me and I, I won't play spoiler here, but it's a good group. It's an above average group in the league. It's a sort of potential top 10 group in the league in terms of where things are at now. And I've got to be honest, it hasn't been like that. It hasn't looked like that for a long time. They were always sort of, I've been doing this project for a number of years at The Athletic, and they were always sort of in the back half of the league. They were never sort of at the very, very bottom, but um, there were times where even the picks that they did make, and I, I like Samuel Bolduke, and I like um, Jake Neighbors, and but they weren't sort of premium, premium pieces. Uh, now suddenly you've got Snuggerud, and you've got Dvorsky, and uh, there's there's more depth within the pool with guys like Lindstein and guys like Stenberg. And we didn't even talk about Uri Pekarczyk, who I thought played well as an 18-year-old yeah. for Slovakia. So um, there's just, there's more depth. There's more talent at the top. The pool is in, their pool is in a better place than it's been uh, in a number of years, no question. And final one for you, Scott, we really appreciate the time, you know, going into this upcoming year's draft, who knows where the Blues are going to finish, but I've read numerous places talking about how this year's draft is the year for top pair defensemen, and of course in St. Louis we talk an awful lot about the defense and looking for that next guy. In your opinion, does this draft provide a lot of top pair defensemen? 
Yeah, this is this is a really, really unique draft in terms of the makeup. You've got Macklin Celebrini right at the top, and then it wouldn't be a surprise to see in the top seven or eight picks uh, after that see five or six defensemen taken. That's just, and that's very rare. Yeah. Really, the only time uh, I've been doing this for uh, a dec over a little bit over a decade now, and the only time that that's ever happened in my time doing this is the very first year I covered the draft on a full-time basis, which was back in 2012 with Morgan Riley and Matt Dumba and Hampus Lindholm and uh, all of the, all of the very talented D that went at the top of that draft. And in hindsight, were the best players in that draft after uh, Alex Galchenyuk and Neil Yakupov kind of flamed out. Right. So uh, this, this draft has that same feel. Certainly Celebrini is a much better first overall pick than Neil Yakupov was, uh, but it's after Celebrini that I think is what we're going to talk about long-term with this draft. Uh, last year's draft, it was really just David Reinbacker who was expected to be a top sort of 10 pick. Uh, there were others. Uh, Dmitry Simashev was a top 10 pick, and Tom Wander was picked just outside the top 10 by the Canucks. But it was really just the draft in terms of defensemen. It was just the draft of David Reinbacker. And I would argue that in this year's draft, there are at least four or five uh, defensemen who are better prospects than David Reinbacker was, and David Reinbacker went fifth overall to Montreal last year. So that just speaks to the caliber of defensemen we're talking about. Uh, Artyom Lepshunov, the Bell Russian playing at, at uh, Michigan State University, is tremendous. Zane Parekh and Sam Dickinson in the OHL up my way uh, in Ontario here are absolutely tremendous. Zeev Boyum, we just saw star at the World Juniors as a 17-year-old for Team USA, and he's having a historically good season as for a freshman defenseman at Denver. Uh, it's a, it's a really, really, really unique group. Anton Salayev is a six foot seven defenseman. <laughs> out of Russia. Huh. Uh, there's, there's a, there's a lot to like about the top of this draft on the blue line. And there's going to be some teams that are going to get some cornerstone guys for their back ends. Hey Scott, appreciate the time, man. People can find your work over at the athletic. We'll certainly be paying attention, watching out for those prospects lists, the rankings that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. We'll be following you on Twitter at Scott C Wheeler. All the best. Thanks so much for all of the great content today. We'll talk with you again soon. Get some sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers guys. Give JR my best. One of my favorite humans in the industry.